Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in the study we're doing now through the Old Testament, we, um, we worked through the New Testament together. Those of you who were here, five years, and we got through the New Testament, and now we started the Old Testament. We're, we're almost two, you know, we're like a year and three quarters into the Old Testament. We're, we did all of Genesis, and now we're into Exodus. Um, I just, I like the idea of studying the Bible in context. I think it's very helpful. Um, you, it makes you sort of think about and look at scriptures, otherwise that you might kind of skip over. Um, and we will be tempted to do some of that as we read through numbers. But uh, we're going to plug on and read, and uh, we'll get it done. Um, it's just a helpful way to look at the Bible and see how it all ties together and, and flows from beginning to end. Uh, and having the sort of New Testament in us, now we can go back and we can start tailing, uh, tying some things in in the Old Testament to what's going on. Um, Exodus, if you remember, I said there's four pretty important things in Exodus that you need to remember. Um, the, uh, the plagues leading up to the Passover and what the Passover is all about. That's really the first one. The parting of the Red Sea, which is a very, very big deal. And then the, um, the giving of the law, which is we're heading up to that. And, and then uh, the tabernacle and the rules and the, everything get up for the tabernacle. All those things have some New Testament implication. So um, we need to be aware of those things as we go. So we're um, in the book of Exodus. This is chapter 17. Um, we've, we've looked through all the plagues. We've gone through the Red Sea. We're on the other side. Um, the people of Israel are now having to learn how to be God's people and what that means. And really, they're having to learn how to trust Him and he started to give them some simple guidelines on what that looks like. If you remember last week when we talked, it was about the, the manna. And uh, pretty much that's what he taught them. They, he was teaching them to trust him for his daily bread. And uh, if you ever wondered where we get that idea of in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread, it's about trusting God in that situation. And so he instructed them how, to be, how they were going to get, how it was going to come. That it was going to show up in the morning. They were to collect enough just for that day five days a week, and it would be enough not to collect more. If they collected more, tried to hang on to it for an extra day, it would go bad, except on the sixth day, they were to collect enough for two days, and it would not spoil, and it would get them through, teaching them to take a Sabbath and not to go out and collect on the seventh day, bread. They would get it all on the sixth day and have enough, and it wouldn't spoil, and um, this was his first sort of teaching to them, because when he gives them the law, but you know, there's a whole lot more, it's not really a whole lot more, but there's more that they're going to have to take in and um, start to learn what it means to be God's people and to live in the community the way He intended it. Ultimately, when we get to the law, though, what it does is, you know, the ultimately, the law is sort of a placeholder until Jesus comes. It's a tutor. It lets us know that we desperately need Jesus because we can't follow the law. We can't. Everybody breaks it. Um, so we need a Savior. And it teaches us that. But it's, it's sort of the ideal of what a people who weren't so selfish and tempted to sin all the time would look like in community. Um, and, and so that, that's a very important part of it and what's going on. Uh, so now we're sort of, they, they've just started to kind of move around the desert a little bit, the people of Israel, two and a half million maybe people. Um, and... and uh, they're, they're, you know, things are different, and they, they don't always know where their water is coming from. They don't always know where their next meal is coming from. 
we saw them a couple of chapters have an issue with water and then last chapter it was about food and we watched God provide so now we're going to see that um, we're going to see two more ways that God provides for his people in chapter 17 um, one of them once again is another whole water situation they're going to have to figure that one out and then their first battle uh, really um, other than you know they were chased by the Egyptian army but but they didn't do anything the, God took care of them and he's going to take care of them again see that's what he's teaching them in this whole process but they're going to know this one's a battle so um, this is a very short chapter the first seven verses are really about this whole water thing again and the last uh, nine verses or so are about this battle and that's it so it's not going to be a real late night tonight uh, unless I get really wound up and go down a huge bunny trail you never know so um, they're still being led by the uh, pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night remember it's the same pillar it just looks differently whether it's day or night it's not two pillars it's one pillar it's a and I told you this it's a theophany which is a it's a, a pre-incarnate uh, appearance of the Lord and so this is what's happening there and and so you know the presence of God is very real to them all the time they, he's leading them wherever they're going um, daytime and nighttime um, but there's, got a, there's a lot of change that's going to have to happen in Israel before they'll really be considered sort of a godly nation. And um, so far, every new trial that they've faced has kind of brought out the worst in them. They have not yet responded well to each situation that comes their way. So far, they've epically failed each test. And unfortunately, um, they're going <laughs> to not do so well again. Um, in, in this chapter. So they're going to arrive in a place called Rephidim, Rephidim, and it's in the wilderness of Sinai. And remember, a big desert kind of they're wandering around in. They're going to end up in a spot and there's no water. They're thinking they're going to a sort of another oasis, and yet there's no water when they get there. And, and so this whole water thing is coming up again. Here's why. Um, when, the, when they had had this water situation the first time, they failed. Sort of, it's an opportunity to trust. So call it a test if you want, to trust in God. And they had failed it miserably. So guess what? It's coming around again. And there's something about that thought that, that so you've got to know that, that when, I, when I say those things, God's for you and He's with you and He's with you and He loves you, but He will use situations. And there's a difference between using situations and causing situations. But I think God will use situations throughout our lives to help us trust in Him. And if we undergo a situation where we didn't really learn to trust Him very well, uh, and it sort of passes, it almost always comes back around again. Because He wants you to get it. So, uh, there's something about trusting Him. The more you trust Him, the better your life is now and forever. And, and He cares about that a lot, that you learn to trust Him. And so He will use situations, and if we don't sort of get it, let me, I'll just say with me, I see it come around again. And I have to go through it again in the process. So sort of every difficulty that, that um, we encounter uh, either, either is a test that can make us better or it's a temptation that can make us worse. And ultimately it's our attitude that determines which one it's going to be. It's, it's pretty amazing. So you know on Sundays if you're coming, I'm talking about the new attitudes that he's put on the new self. It's really about our attitude. It's our, if our attitude is, 
is one that trusts in God, then the trial or the test that we're facing can help us to grow more in Him and trust in Him and learn from it. If it takes us to where we doubt Him and go on our own way and complain and grumble, has a, a different sort of impact on us altogether. Kind of that, that, that sometimes when we run to that complaining sort of place, um, we, we lose the opportunity or we miss it at that point in time to grow spiritually. Um, and so, you know, it's this whole process that, that we're going to see now with the uh, children of Israel as they're learning this whole thing. Reminding me of a couple of New Testament verses I just thought I'd share with you up front because we're going to be looking at this test part pretty quickly. Romans eight twenty eight. we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. So God can take those things if we trust Him and use them to our good. James says this in James 1, 12 through 15, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So we're going we're gonna to see this sort of testing come up again, but it's not, God's not tempting us, but He's allowing these things so we can learn to trust Him. Our attitude is what makes the difference. That's really how you can apply this verse in our lives. And you're going to see He uses, at this point, when this test happens, he, he gives this place a double name. He calls it Massa, which means to test, and Meribah, which means quarreling. And, and so it was a place of testing and quarreling. And I often think, you know, in, the, in our own journey, um, how many places on that journey ought to be called testing and quarreling with God? Um, because how many times have we done that at different spots where maybe our attitude wasn't what it needed to be and we've complained rather than really learning to trust in God? So let's uh, kind of have that in mind as we read through this. Like I said, short chapter today, only 16 verses, Exodus 17. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. Um, that's what it should show up overhead, be on the notes, but if you have a different translation, that's fine. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin. Remember last week I told you that's Sinai. It's not sin like our English word for sin, so don't think of it as the desert of sin. Think of it as if you need the desert of Sinai. Traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord God, uh, the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. <laughs> and the Lord, yeah, it's a tough group. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So again, remember, lots of stuff happening here. Pillar, night, day. So far, 
every time they've needed something, God's provided, including wiping out the Egyptian army and Got the, they got the manna coming to them every day, and they got the quail coming in for a landing every night for meat, and no water. So I get it. No water in the desert's a pretty big deal, but they're, they have to learn that they can trust God. And they're, now they're saying, they're questioning, is he even among us? And still the pillar's there. So that's, that's what's going on. And they're, they get mad at Moses, and Moses said, they're about to kill me. God, I kind of need you to step in here. <laughs> and deal with your people. You'll see throughout this whole thing, I love this, to watch it. Moses will call them God's people, and God will call them Moses' people. <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful to look at, because you think that's God's sense of humor. Okay, so that's the first part, testing water. Verse 8, the um, Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Let's just dig in quickly. As I said, it's a short verse, short chapter. So some interesting. So um, after the, the nation again left the desert of Sinai, um, they had camped at this place, Rephidim, and um, it was an oasis, and yet there was no water there. And they begin to grumble and complain against Moses, and they go right back to, why did you take us out of Egypt? Remember, slavery being mistreated horrifically but once again, having something to complain about. Um, this time it was worse than the sort of murmurings of distrust that we saw a couple of chapters ago in chapter 15. Um, um, because here they're, they're really now quarreling with Moses and to the point where they're about to pick up rocks and kill him. And um, Moses says, you know, this whole quarreling, this thing you're doing is putting the Lord to the test and, and that they were challenging him or trying his patience rather than trusting him. But at this point, God is still extremely patient with these people. Um, and, and it's amazing to watch the patience of God um, with this whole sort of disobedient, grumbling group. So he tells Moses, take the staff that he had struck the Nile, um, and, you know, and, and uh, uh, st strike this rock at Horeb, um, and so this staff of God was a, it was a symbol of power, and, and holding on to it was a sign of dependence and trusting in the Lord. And um, Moses strikes the rock, and this rock is able to provide water for two and a half million people. That's pretty cool, right? Sometimes we skip some of these things, but that's, that's pretty, that's a good thing. Boom, and here, come, here it comes, flowing down water for two and a half million people. That's a lot of water, right? 
all the water they needed. So um, he provides his thirsty people with another abundant supply of water. He's, he's trying to teach them. Remember, he's teaching them they can trust him. He's got this. He's got them. He's going to take care of them. All they got to do is trust him. He's, he's going to be with them. He's going to provide for them. He's going to take care of them. This whole daily bread thing, he's got it handled. And, and so he's teaching them to trust him in the process. Now, another thing that happens then in this chapter is while they're there at this oasis, the, this real, this sort of military victory happens. Now, you could, I guess you could count that they've had one big one against the Egyptian army, but they were just in full flight, and that just kind of happened behind them. So, so it wasn't really they were engaging in that battle. But, um, but now a battle is going to happen. And the Amalekites were descendants of Esau. Um, and we learned about them actually in Genesis 36. And uh, apparently what they didn't, they didn't want the Israelites there by their oasis for one thing. And they also didn't want them intruding on their country. And so um, they, they come to militarily. They come by force <laughs> to... Uh, to drive them out in the process. And so Moses calls on Joshua. First time that we've met Joshua here. Joshua is a pretty significant character in, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament. He will now be a part of the story as we move forward for quite some time. And um, uh, he, um, he enters into this battle with great zeal. Now again, this is very fascinating because the children of Israel had been slaves for so long that they, they, how they knew how to be ready for battle is pretty interesting. Somehow, apparently some of them knew. It had been passed on at some point in time. And then, you know, how they had military equipment. How did they get swords is another pretty good question. The thought might be that after the Egyptian army got flooded over, that some of that equipment washed up on the beach or whatever and some of them picked up swords. I don't know where they have, but they have some swords. They have some. Um, they don't have two and a half million, but they have some for their fighting men. And Joshua is apparently the, the you know, Moses calls on him to be the leader of that little group. And um, they go out into battle with whatever experience they have or don't have. And Moses is, is uh, up sort of watching the battle from up top. And as long as Moses got the staff up and his hands up, all is well. When he gets tired and lowers him, they start to lose the battle. So you can imagine the guys all look around and go, Dude, really? And so, <laughs> back up they go. But have you ever done that for any long period of time? And it's hot and you're, you know, it's, Moses is he's not, he's, he's, he's up, he's 80 something plus, 80, not, yeah. So, so they, I love it. I love the story. You don't like the story. So they, they get a rock so he can sit down. So that probably helps, right? You can probably, but then, and then they just, get on either side of him and help him keep his arms up. And uh, Aaron and her, that's, uh, that's what they do, man. Yeah, we were, how, how did you get involved in the battle? I held up one of Moses' arms. <laughs> but it was a big plus, right? So, um, and so it was, again, it's another picture of, you know, this, but th think of the, this picture, this is what it looked like. It's just complete, it's a picture of being dependent completely on God. And when you look, not so much, but there we go. It's your battle, Lord, and it's all yours. And it's a picture of what's going on. Again, the, the, the children of Israel, they're having to learn this. They're having to know that they can trust God. They, they had gone through this 400-year period of slavery. They had started 
you know, following after these false gods and everything that had happened to them. And God had, had demonstrated His power to them in the plagues and how He'd protected them and delivered them, but they still have to learn what it meant to be a child of God and what it's like to trust Him and what that means. See, it's the same thing for all of us. We're always we're learning that whole process as we go about trusting Him in the battle. Um, this defeat of the Amalekites was something God wanted Joshua to remember. Um, this did not get rid of the Amalekites. They didn't get them all. And they will be a persistent problem to the Israelites um, for many years to come. We'll read about them again in Numbers, in Judges, in 1 Samuel, and finally at the end of 1 Samuel, King David actually destroys them once and for all. So not until that period of time are they dealt with, and they're a constant irritation to Israel. They're constantly attacking them uh, on the journey. And so... um, to commemorate the victory, uh, he builds an altar which he names the Lord is my banner. Uh, and I, I like the picture, remember in, uh, in that point in time, so like they would have known about Egypt, when Egypt would have marched in a battle, they would have had these big banners that went with them, uh, you know, with their false gods on them. And I love the, the idea behind the thing that they build to God, the monument, the Lord is my, our banner. He's the one that goes into battle with us. He's, he's the one that fights our battles in the process. And um, Exodus seventeen fourteen, just very interesting as you go, it's the first mention in the Bible of the writing of official records. Um, so it's the first time we know that these things are being jotted down. You'll find out again in Numbers 33, 2, that God had actually instructed Moses to keep like a daily diary, which is very handy, and why we have those five books. Um, uh, because uh, in Numbers 33, 2, if you want to look it up, I think it's a great verse. At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. And these are the stages of their march, identified by the different places where they stopped along the way. So God had told Moses, okay, take notes. Because um, God knew he was going to have to jot all this down. And uh, I like that idea. So everywhere they were, everything that was going on, every time God showed up, Moses was keeping track of it. Pretty cool that you're that you actually do that as you live through it. You know, a lot of us would be just kind of go through life and, I mean, how many of you are writing down every story of your life? Not most of you. So uh, it's good that Moses did that for us. So we have it now. And um, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about today. Like I said, it's going to be a pretty early day for us. Ah, It's 10-2 already. It's not that early. I can't see. Um, But I'm done. So... Uh, if you're watching my video, thank you for doing that. Appreciate it. If you need prayer, go to the website, and uh, we'll pray for you. Um, and God bless you. We'll see.